This is The Mudroom, uncommon sense parenting classes with your parenting coach, Alana Robinson. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Mudroom, our free uncommon sense parenting class. How's everyone today? I hope everyone in Canada had a great 2-4 weekend. I spent most of it at the spa with my best friends celebrating my birthday, so I'm feeling all like rejuvenated and ready to head into June, which I call my marathon month. I think every family has a marathon month where you have a lot of family events and other stuff going on. My mom, my dad, and my youngest son were all born in June, so we have three very significant birthdays. Plus, all of the stuff that goes with ending out the school year here in Ontario, like barbecues and field trips and all of that stuff. But, I don't know, feeling good, feeling ready. (laughs) I hope you're feeling ready too. I know a lot of you already have your kids out of school, so hats off to you. Today, we have Talia Shapiro joining us. Talia is actually an adult sleep coach. I know. Did you know that was a thing? I sure didn't. So I was super excited when I connected with Talia because parent sleep is a huge stressor that I think most of us deal with, and it impacts our ability to be calm and present with our kids so much, and often our ability to stay regulated and therefore help our kids regulate hinges on our ability to be well-rested. So without further ado, let's start the interview. So welcome, Talia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. All right, so let's start off by introducing you. Tell us who you are, what you do, how you came into this. Um, I know you have quite an interesting background. Yeah, so my um, my background is actually in teaching and education in the early years field. And I know that we have some um, similar, yeah, similar background experiences. Um, but I actually got into my field. So I am an adult sleep coach, consultant, and sleep educator. Um, And what I do is I help and I work with adults. Um, I can also work with some teenagers who are having issues with their sleep. So who are suffering from, you know, nighttime sleep, daytime sleepiness, um, any other sleep-related issue. And what I do is identify and address those root causes or other imbalances that are impacting a person's sleep and then work with them to put together what I call a sleep optimization plan to help get their sleep back on track for really long-term improvement. So I don't want to treat symptoms. We're looking at what's really going on because, you know, we are fundamentally driven to sleep. It's a biological need. It's a drive that we have. And often there's external factors that are getting in the way of us sleeping well. But um, I got into the field because I was a chronic insomniac for years and years and years. Um, You know, I never considered myself a good sleeper, but I think the trigger for me was having kids, which a lot of my clients experience. And I know, you know, Lana, that's why we sort of connected. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, you have parents who are suffering from uh, from sleep issues. And I know you yourself um, yeah. had quite worry. So 
Yeah, it was triggered, you know, and I think this happens to a lot of us, right? We're, we're pregnant and we have our babies, they're born, we're waking up at all hours of the night to be responsive to their needs as we should. Um, but what was happening over time, my son ended up falling asleep and sleeping through the night, um, but I couldn't anymore. And so it totals, you know, I spiraled out. And like I said, there's external factors going on. And at the time I was expanding a business and growing a business and I was really busy, but also you know, not entirely satisfied with everything. So, um, I just, you know, didn't have maternity leave, worked myself to the bone, burnt out. Um, and eventually I had this burnout insomnia diagnosis. So, you know, as I was going through my treatment, I just noticed that whenever I would tell anyone about what was happening with me, you know, first of all, nobody knew that there were, um, solutions to sleep challenges to overcome them like everyone was very including myself was fatalistic about it and secondly anyone who i spoke to like they're like oh i can't sleep or my mom can't sleep or you know my nephew can't like everyone's got their own sleep story so that's really how i got into the field and so i became certified and um you know i'm really passionate to help others because i understand how terrible it feels um not to sleep and it doesn't just affect your nights but it affects you know our entire being yes and that's why i was so excited when you reached out to me because you know i've i've worked with tons of different children's sleep coaches and that's all well and good. Um, but similar to you, after I had kids, I was good for a while because I was so sleep deprived that I found falling asleep when my kids were really young very easy. But then once their sleep really resolved, I, I stopped being able to sleep like that. That sleep pressure was gone all of a sudden. And, um, and same thing. I have clients who complain about it, um, friends who complain about it. My own husband struggles with his sleep. Um, I've found solutions, but he, you know, man, they don't want to do anything. <laughs> to solve better at like compartmentalizing their, yes. their, their issues. Very fatalistic, as you said about it. Just like, oh, well, this yeah. is just how it is. Um, yeah. And I was so excited because, as you said, I'm really an advocate of like, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. And if we're, our kids can only ever be as good as we are. They can only ever be as okay as we are. And if we're not sleeping well, that's going to impact our ability to be patient and calm and guide them in a loving and supportive way during the day because we're freaking tired. <laughs> and um, I was just at the same thing. I had no idea there were actually adult sleep coaches and it was just, it was kismet. Um, so we had some questions that came up in the parenting posse that I would love to kind of chat with you about. Um, the first one, I've got my little notes over here. Um, a lot of parents are having difficulty specifically with like, you know, their kids are morning larks as ten kids tend to be. Um, and they're not so much. And I fall into this category where my circadian rhythm really like I get my best work done. I feel most like myself from like 1 p.m. to midnight. <laughs> and we got very spectrums. Exactly. I'm like a to two, but it's good to know. Yeah. A, and my kids yeah. are up at the ass crack of dawn. And, you know, 5.30, I hear their little feet going down the hallway. 
And my kids are old enough now that they don't come and wake me up, but most of my clients have younger kids still. <laughs> and um, they have, again, this very like opposite schedule to their kids and they're struggling to like balance that. So what can we do about it? Yeah. Yeah. So that, and listen, I think, um, you know, it is a tricky time. Uh, there are some things that we can do, you know, first of all, and I guess, you know, like you said, some kids are much, you know, younger and they really need that support, but as much as you and I always say, you know, if you need those hours in the morning to sleep, try and help your set your child up for, you know, what I call independent independent living in the AM. So, you know, it might be, and again, it has to be age appropriate depending on who you're dealing with. But for example, you know, like with um my son sometimes, so I'm like, okay, on weekends, or if you're up, like if you wake up. You can go like then you know this is your your iPad is here. You yeah. can go and accept that, um, you know. Or if sometimes they want to come into bed with with me, so okay, come into bed. I got my earplugs on, my eye shades, like so I can still you know you're not maybe not getting that deep restful sleep, but you're still in bed. Or um, you know, depending on the kids, some kids are happy to stay in their room, but they don't know the time. So sometimes um, you know there's those grow clocks yeah. where kids are the clock are like, okay, well, you know, I want you to try and like stay in your room until this time. And, and what's really helpful though is to set up, um, if possible, like an activity maybe the night before or have something like for the week is mornings during the week, everyone kind of needs to get up and go yeah. for the most part, not always, but weekends, like have a little bin of toys or activities that are like special. They're exciting. They are reserved for that morning time. So there's still that novelty when they have it, maybe having an activity for them. Um, again, like if they're old enough and kids, you know, as young as like three or four, some of them can be pretty independent at, for example, um, putting out a bowl of cereal the night before, maybe a little jug of milk that's on the bottom shelf in the fridge. And, you know, obviously we don't want them using appliances or anything, you know, dangerous, but like here, serve yourself some breakfast. And like that gives them some independence as well. Um, and then I think, you know, what's really important, like if you are, fortunate to be co-parenting with someone, make the most of your chronotypes. And when I say chronotypes, that's referring to, you know, whether someone's more of a, of a night owl, um, or a lark or an early bird, like for example, myself, you know, I am up early in the morning, uh, whereas my husband needs that lion. So generally I'll take over the morning, more of the morning routines. I'm up, I'll let him sleep, but he does more of the evening routines because I am after eight, I don't want to talk to any children. I don't want to like, I'm done. My patience is thin. I don't have it. So I think, you know, working together and, and also, you know, asking for help. I think a lot of us, especially as women, we kind of, and as mothers, we just take on the world, right? We're like, we need to do it. Yeah. And like, there's the control factor of like, we're going to do it. Not so much as we want to do it, but we know we're going to do it the right way. And it's going to be like quicker and easier and more efficient. But, you know, I think there's something like we've got to let go a little and, you know, give some responsibility to someone else and be able to ask our partners for help. Because I know like my husband, bless him, he's amazing. He is no mind reader. So he doesn't really see the signs if I'm so, you know, if I'm sleep deprived, I need to sleep in. But if I say, listen, like I'm dead, I need some extra time. He'll say, okay, yeah, no problem. You know? Um, 
So yeah, so these are a few things uh, that you can do um, if you do need that yeah, that, that extra time. I love that. I love that. And I'm such a big advocate for kids, you know, never doing things for kids that they can competently do for themselves. And I think there's so yeah. much that we do for little kids that they really can learn to do. We just have to teach them. Yeah. Um, and I love yeah. that for my kids. It was always, my kids don't like their Eggo waffles hot. So they always, always would toast their Eggo waffles the night before and then leave them out there for them. And I called them cookie waffles because they would eat them like a cookie instead of me cutting yeah. them all up. And, and you're like, oh, you're getting cookies for breakfast. Exactly. Okay. And they loved it. They had the chocolate chips in them or the blueberries in them. They were like, oh, yeah, it's cookie waffle day. And I was like, yeah, do not yeah. talk to me until... 9 a.m. <laughs> and you know, kids like, and I think that's true. Like kids love having that independence. And, um, and I don't think we like, this is you know, a whole sideline of child development, but, um, you know, it really builds up all of their, you know, emotional, cognitive development. It's really, really key for them. And they feel good about it too. Yeah. It's really functional. Yes. Um, what about revenge, sleep, procrastination? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm guilty of this. Uh, last night, I didn't go to bed until two in the morning because I got really involved in um, a game of solitaire that I was playing that was really difficult. <laughs> and before I knew it, it was two in the morning. Um, and yeah. So like, I'll do things that do wind me down, like playing solitaire or, you know, kind of non-screen time activities. But then I'll get really hyper-focused on it. <laughs> <laughs> I won't want to finish like last night. I was like, no, I have to finish this hand because I'll never come back to it. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, yes, revenge, bedtime procrastination. That is, you know, more people are, are knowing what that term is for those who don't. It's, you know, it's the decision to prolong bedtime, um, to engage in other activities. And, you know, despite having enough time to sleep, but you may be doing it because there's a perceived lack of time during the day, or you're just going down a rabbit hole. And so, you know, my first, piece of advice, like whenever I talk to people about that, I'm like, let's analyze this a little bit. Like, what is the reason? Like, why is it that you're staying up late and what for, right? Is it, you know, because you're not able to find time during the day to do what you want it to and like steal those moments? Or is it more of just like a self-regulation of like, oh, I'm on my phone and that dopamine is hitting and I'm yeah. I can't, you know, I can't, un, un, I just can't get out of it. So, you know, for me, like I know I certainly, cause I go to bed a little bit earlier. Like I, I kind of turn everything off around 10 and my son doesn't go to bed till after eight, but I need, you know, I need time for me and stuff and yeah. I need it. And so, you know, one of my guilty pleasures, I love a good trash reality TV. Like, well, I'm into housewives. I'm into all of it. And so, you know, I think that if there's like something like that, I'm like, Hey, how can I try and carve a little bit of time to do that? during my day. Now, reality is we can't all do that, but what I'll try and do is if I'm going to the gym, um, I'm, you know, I'm on the treadmill or I'm on the bike, I'm getting my 20 minutes of that during the day. So like trying to steal those moments if you can, but, um, kind you know, of it's not all 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Habit stacking is exactly what it is. And then, you know, I think if it's a, if it's a self-regulation thing, I always say, I'm like, treat yourself like your kid in turn, in terms of their sleep routine. So, you know, something that could be useful and I do as well at 10 o'clock, I have a timer that goes off. So that's like, curtain call. We're putting away the screens. We're putting away all those things that I might end up going down those rabbit holes with. Um, you know, you can set, if, it, if it's being on your phone, which I think a lot of us, you know, end up doing setting, you know, restrictions on your devices. So I know there's apps that can, um, you know, either like alert you saying, you know, you, you like now's the time to come off. Or sometimes I think they can, you know, deny you access unless you go into the settings and change it. Um, and, you know, in general, we want to be trying to stop using our devices 30 to 60 minutes before we're going to bed. And then what can we can do instead? Yeah, create that wind down routine. And I know, you know, you said that you're like, yeah, solitaire, sometimes it goes, it winds me down. But sometimes if you're on, you know, it's a challenge down. and I have to finish the challenge. <laughs> yeah. So be really mindful of like, what are the things we're doing in that wind down routine that, they're a little bit stimulating, you know, yeah. and relaxing, but not overly stimulating that they're going to keep us going. And so, you know, relaxation techniques are really helpful because they can also decrease the stress um, that might drive those revenge bedtime activities anyways. Um, and, you know, I think in general, as part of that, like obviously, you know, keeping a consistent weekend bedtime um, will help, especially anchoring your wake time because over time, you know, your body will come in to anticipate that you'll be tired and, and a wind down routine helps do that as well, right? We do that with our kids that we always have whatever they're doing, whether it's bath or story yes. time or singing the same songs. Like, and I don't know about you, Alana, but when I, like I've got two songs that I sing to my son. I've been singing to him since he was in the womb. And even if he's like so jacked up, when I start singing those songs, like it's like I can physically feel his body. Yeah. Same start. thing with my voice. And I loved you had, we, yeah, we had you into parents ability to present to our members um, the other week. And I was like, screaming in my chair when you were talking about how like we have these great routines for our kids that kind yeah. of have that Pavlov's dog effect of like for my boys exactly. it's the white noise going on they can be yeah. bouncing off the walls I turn on the white noise or they really like the Coco Sleep podcast because my youngest tends to ruminate about things and so he yeah. listens to a sleep story to help him focus on the story and not on whatever's just tossing and turning in his head um, mm. put one of those on and they basically pass out where they stand. <laughs> and I was like, yes, that makes so much sense that I'm not doing that for myself because... Exactly. And none of us do. And I, I don't understand. Like somewhere along the way, the road to childhood to adulthood, we just don't think it applies. But there's such, right? Like a market and an obsession with kids sleep, right? And, right. Uh, you know, sometimes overly so, but the reality is like we're focused on it. We know they need it. We know it's important, but we need to firstly prioritize it for ourselves and value it as much and, yes. and understand that, you know, our health and wellness is going to be optimized if, if we sleep. And part of that is allowing us time to do so. I love that. I love that. And I've sort of started doing a little bit more of that. Now, last night it got a little sidetracked, but I've been much better about being conscious of like, okay, I have a routine. I have my cup of tea and I, you know, sit down and I listen to a podcast and I do my usually very short solitaire hand. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, as I said, it's just remarkable how little tweaks like that 
can make such a big difference to how yes. I feel and how like for me, I find when I sleep well, I'm so much calmer throughout the day. Whereas otherwise I'm very like ready to bust a gut at like any minor inconvenience. Oh, completely. I mean, and that's because, you know, sleep balances our stress hormones and our ability to handle stress, to use stress. Um, and when we're underslept, we're sort of, it's like we're in that fight or flight mode. Um, so yeah, that totally makes sense. Oh, I love that. I love that. What do you find is the biggest complaint that parents usually come to you with about sleep? Because I know we all, as you said, we all think that we're the only one dealing with this. Totally. Biggest complaint, um, and I would say especially amongst mothers, is you know, issues of falling asleep and staying asleep. And why is that? Because that busy brain, that monkey brain, it's like they, a lot of people, they're like, I'm so tired. You know, I've obviously, and if you're a parent, you're doing, you know, you have your day job or if you're, I mean, and your day job could be another job or looking after your kids, which I would say is even harder <laughs> than you know, working at a desk job. And then, yeah. And then you're just, you know, you're running ragged you're so busy. They get into bed. They're like, I'm exhausted. My body's exhausted. I'm so tired. I've been dragging out of the day. They get into bed. As soon as their head hits the pillow, there's like a switch that goes off and they're thinking about what happened yesterday, worries about what's going to happen tomorrow, rumination, planning, to-do lists. Like that is what I often notice a lot. That's a big complaint. Yeah. I mean, I definitely do that too. And it's it's always like the things that you couldn't think of during the day for me, like I'll sometimes be standing there going, there's something I need to do, but I can't remember what it is. For some reason, my brain serves that to me as I'm falling asleep. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, and, and that makes sense. And I think the reason for that is because, you know, in today's modern world, like we're so busy, we're always, we're just like ticking off those little things that we need to do and get by during the day, but we're not taking a moment to, you know, sit with it, process it, carve out some time to even plan for like, what are we going to do, you know, tomorrow. And then when we get into bed, there's this backlash of thinking because, you know, even though we've been busy, we haven't really been processing and we haven't been setting and um, planning. So that's why it's all coming at night in that time when our brain is meant to be quiet. Oh, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Yeah. I feel you on that one. All right. So, I mean, I know I'm resonating with what you're saying. If our listeners are listening and resonating with what you're saying, how do you work with parents? What does it look like to work with you? Yeah. So what I do is, um, someone will come to me and first of all, I'll have a, you know, I always offer a free 20 minute discovery call, figure out, you know, what's going on with you, um, tell you about my process. And as well, you know, I always want to rule out, um, any sort of medical or sleep disorder. That's really important. And so whether someone comes to me, um, or not, I always say, you know, have you spoken to your doctor about this and, and get a little bit of medical history because sometimes, um, you know, there's things that we can do to change our sleep, but sometimes there's issues like, you know, hormonal imbalances or nutritional or vitamin deficiencies. Um, and that can really impact your, your ability to sleep. So it might be a quick fix in that way. But when someone comes to me, um, what I do first is a really, really thorough holistic investigation. So I'm doing a long assessment and, you know, I'm examining what I call 
to be the the five pillars of healthy sleep. So I'm looking at a person's, um, you know, their sleep schedules, of course, and what they're doing through the day, environment, their headspace. So that's, you know, mental health and wellness, uh, their nutrition and movement. And then of course, any, you know, medical issues or medication. And I analyze all that. And I sort of, I tell them, I'm like, I'm like a little sleep detective. So, you know, I get your forms, I have a look, and then, you know, I've been trained to specifically identify some factors that I see that may be impacting their sleep. And so I do, I always know my background's in teaching. So I love, like, I'm always like, knowledge is power, you know, the more you know. And I think the more people understand their sleep and their sleep patterns, it's going to help them work towards the solution. So, you know, I give them a lot of sleep education. I think a lot of people also are, um, you know, misguided on like, what is, what does, you know, what is typical sleep? What is a good sleeper? Like what's normal, what's not. And so we go through that and then, you know, we address some of those imbalances that I might see. And, you know, for example, it might be that like a lot of people just are not getting enough bright light during the day, not getting enough natural light outside especially in like these northern climates yes exactly yeah or it could be dehydration or it could be worse you're spending too much time in bed and i think a lot of us do that we think like oh we're so underslept we need to spend more time in bed but that sometimes makes the problem worse so we i sort of identify with them what's going on um you know we set our problems we set our goals and then I help them set some really manageable, you know, small targets, like one to three things to work with at a time um, that is going to start getting them on the right track. And, you know, I know from personal experience that not sleeping sucks. uh, And I think a lot of people know that. And I think a lot of people also if, you know, they know there's probably things that they're doing that aren't great, but like we're a habit mind. We're not great at changing our behavior if we're given a laundry list. So that's yeah. where the coaching approach, and you know, I'm sure you feel the same way yes. when you're with your parents, works really well, right? We're giving them like tiny, achievable, personalized, like meeting them where they are. Well, and that's targeted. why working with a coach is so nice because I find a lot of parents, whether they're dealing with their children's sleep, their own sleep, their children's behavior, whatever, they, a lot of them know what they need to do. They just don't know what the priority is. Exactly. And so they try and do everything at once and they get really overwhelmed and fall off the horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so then it's so what I do. So I usually meet with, with, um, my clients, like every one to two weeks, we review the targets they've done, we modify it, we tweak it, we continue to habit stack that. And I'll usually work with a client for a few months. Now, you know, I am also offering um, what I call the sleep reboot consult. So it's a single session. And that's more for people who, you know, maybe just need a few tweaks. Like they're like, they're really motivated, independent. They're like, yeah, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take on your suggestions and and we can go from there. But I think for the majority of us, uh, we work better in, you know, that long-term coaching approach. Yeah, right. Because you need that things change. First of all, you need that consistent um, reprioritization of, you know, the next step and okay, this worked. So now where are we going to go from here? I feel like every time when I'm coaching, and I'm sure you have the same thing, every step that a client takes leads to another fork in the road and there's or it's like two steps forward, one step back yeah. two steps. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so it takes time. And I think, you know, it's important to tell people, and I always say, you know, people who come to me have had sleep issues for 
year, like such a long time. And so I always say, listen, you know, change isn't going to happen overnight. Think how long it took you to get into this position. It's going to take some time to unravel it, but it can be done. You know, you don't have to suffer like this. Oh, I love it. So if people do want to work with you, how can they reach out to you? Yeah. So people can, um, they can get in touch with me. So I, you know, easiest thing to do is to go to my website. So it's taliashapiro.com and that's Shapiro with an E. Also, you put an I in there. Uh, and you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram at Talia Shapiro Sleep. Um, I've got a newsletter and a blog post that comes out every month. So you can sign up for that. And yeah, if you know, just if anyone's suffering, I just, I implore you, please, you don't need to suffer like this in the long term. And if you're not talking to me, go to your doctor and advocate for yourself because nobody needs to suffer from poor sleep. Like, yes, we have instances, right? There may be certain like stressors or, you know, work deadlines or something that's getting into the way. That's fine. We have a few sleepless nights or for a few weeks, but nobody should have chronic sleep issues. Like they can be treated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sleep is what I call a base stressor. And I usually lump it in with like elimination, food, sickness, and then sleep. And it's one of those four things are off nothing can be right. So um, I I love that you encourage people to take care of that because it it does have such a profound impact and there's no way over it. There's no way under it, no way around it. You got to go through it. Um, Thank you so much for being with us today, Talia, and taking the time to chat with us. Um, We'll put all the links to Talia's website and her Instagram and Facebook on the show notes. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to The Mudroom on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us live every Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us in the Parenting Posse Facebook group. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.